And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. With me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Uh, it's been two weeks. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah, two pods in a month. Pretty easy work. Pretty easy work Ooh. for us. Uh, it's been a weird two weeks because, you know, we're still going through COVID stuff and there's games yeah. and you're wondering, do they even mean anything? Because there's so many guys right. out. But uh, this this whole period has uh, made me start thinking about 2022 free agency. Mm. And I wanted to go through my top five 2022 free agents that I suddenly care about. So these are guys <laughs> that going into the season... If you had asked me, I might have not even known that they were going to be free agents this upcoming summer. And even if I did know, I might have not cared. Andrew, who cares? But because of how they've played this season or because of other circumstances, I'm all of a sudden very interested in what happens with these players this upcoming summer. So are you ready for my top five 2022 free agents that I suddenly care about? Ooh, so ready. So ready. All right. Honorable mention to Jalen Smith. He's an honorable mention because he's been talked about to death. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone yeah. knows what the deal is, so I don't need to go into <laughs> it. But I just wanted to honorably mention him because I am interested to see what happens this summer with Jalen yeah. Smith and the Suns. So let's move on to number five. Number five, Andrew Malik Monk. Now, Ooh. he signed with the Lakers this summer on a minimum deal which was kind of confusing at the time because he had had this mini breakout year in Charlotte last season, hitting 40% from three, finally looking like the score we had been promised in the draft. In addition, the Lakers were signing a ton of guards, and so you wondered if he was really going to get the playing time to make this minimum deal worth it for himself long-term. And early on, it kind of felt like those concerns were valid. But after coming out of COVID protocols on the Christmas Day game, Malik Monk is averaging 20 points per game on 53-50-91 shooting splits. Ooh-wee. Now, it's only nine games, and it's been a stretch of relatively easy opponents for the Lakers, yeah. but I do think it's still notable. As Jackson Frank wrote in a recent article on basketballnews.com, Monk is the type of movement shooter that has historically worked alongside LeBron, and he is the floor spacer that this Lakers team desperately needs right now. But it's not only his shooting. He's been great as a screener in the pick and roll with LeBron. And according to Cleaning the Glass, as of January 8th, 
He's in the 89th scoring percentile at the rim, 84th percentile in the mid-range, and 82nd percentile behind the arc. Andrew, he's a three-level scorer! Is this a superstar? What's going on here? Now, for all the Lakers' roster issues and minimum salary gambles, it does feel like Malik Monk is the one that has 100% paid off and someone who they definitely need to retain next summer. Yes. It's also younger than 37, which also helps. Also true. Yeah. Now, is he solving their defensive issues, Andrew? No, he's not. But his offensive fit with LeBron is just too good to let go. And he interests me because, similar to last summer, I thought he'd get a decent deal, and then he ended up on a minimum. Have teams around the league finally bought in to Malik Monk this year? Will there be more suitors this summer? And will the Lakers be willing to pony up, unlike last summer with Alex Crusoe? I'm, yeah. I'm interested in finding out, and that's why he's my number five. Is is this a case of the league slept on him too much, or is he Booby Gibson part two? Who oh, knows? wow, Andrew, Booby Gibson was never a three-level scorer like this. <laughs> uh, okay, my number four 2022 free agent that I suddenly care about, Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, you see that coming, Andrew? Uh I didn't, but I like him. He's been real good. Uh, as, you, as everyone knows, the Grizzlies talk of the town, Andrew. Everyone's chatting yeah. about him. 11 in a row after Thursday's night, Thursday's night win against Minnesota. And by the time you're listening to this, you'll know if they've made it 12 in a row after their Friday night game against Dallas. And the two biggest storylines during this streak have been the play of John Morant and the incredible depth of this Grizzlies roster. It seems like every mm-hmm. week there's another Grizzly that I'm being forced to take seriously. Conchar. You, yeah, you think it's enough to focus on Ja, Bain, Triple J, Dylan Brooks. We've talked about Melton, Tyus Jones, and Zaire Williams on this pod. We've texted about Brandon Clark. And then mm-hmm. the Grizzlies are like, oh, by the way, John Conchar just dropped 15 and 17. Andrew, <laughs> I only have so much room for Grizzlies players in my brain. What, <laughs> what other team in the league are NBA podcasters forced to casually discuss their 10th man? <laughs> This is too much, Andrew. There's too many Grizzlies. Yeah, they're doing too good of a job there in Memphis. Uh, Anyways, with depth comes decisions. And one of the first decisions Memphis will be making with this current squad is with backup point guard Tyus Jones, who has been awesome. He was awesome while Jaw was out. He continues to be great now that Jaw's back. As Parker Fleming detailed in a recent article on Grizzly Bear Blues, Jones is averaging career highs in several statistical categories such as points per game, rebounds per game, three-point percentage, is one of the deadliest floaters in the league and has had incredible pick-and-roll chemistry with Brandon Clark. Parker's article does a great job breaking down those two skills, so go check it out if you're craving some more Tyus Jones content. Listen, I fully expect Memphis to resign Tyus Jones this summer, but given how well he's played this season and thinking further down the road with all these young guys in Memphis eventually getting paid, I'm suddenly more interested in his free agency. Are there any other teams that would make a strong push for him this summer. He's arguably the best backup point guard in the league and is such a great security blanket because he can capably handle the starting job if needed. Because, you know, sometimes you'll have these overqualified backup point guards like Dennis Schroeder, where there's always this tension if you think about bringing them off the bench. Yeah. I don't feel like you have that issue with Tyich, which makes him all the more valuable. And that is why he's my number four. Yeah, he is. He's really interesting. Any any teams in particular that you think could use Tyus? Literally anyone. I mean, he's if he's the best backup point guard, Andrew, that means he'd be the number one option for a backup point guard for any team. I mean, other than Ricky Rubio, who would you have 
Who would you have up there with them? Backup point guards in the league, off the top of your head. Can you think of yeah. anyone, a soul? I mean, Brunson, since he's been starting, is not a backup point guard anymore. Correct. Um, he was, I mean, he was definitely one of them, one of those guys. I just really like him. He's, uh, he's only making like seven and a half million this year. He, I think yeah. minimum he should be getting a middle-level exception. Yeah, yeah, bump him up a little bump bit. Bump him. Okay, uh, number three. 2022 free agents I suddenly care about. What about the Celtics, by the way? The Celtics is a team that I think could really use Tyus. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And he's a team where like you could actually imagine him being their starting point guard. I know. Which would be about. really nice for him. Yeah. Uh, if he's interested in that. Maybe he's not. Yeah. SPG. Number three, Dorian Finney-Smith. A few weeks into the season, I brought up the Mavs as one of the teams – I was most disappointed in, and part of the reason was they were asking a lot of certain guys, and one of those guys was Dorian Finney-Smith, and the early results were not good, at least offensively. Through 12 games, he was shooting a career low from three. He was turning the ball over a ton with his new responsibilities as an initiator. In his first 15 games, he had a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. It wasn't looking good. Well, things have changed, Andrew. Matthew T. Phillips detailed the improvements seen since the early season for Dorian in a recent article on Mavs Moneyball. His three-point shot has come back around. He's now shooting a team-best 38% from three among their high-volume shooters. More importantly, all those early season offensive responsibilities are finally starting to pay off. He tied his career high in assists with six in a New Year's Eve game, and after those first 15 games of the season, is now averaging 2.4 assists to 0.8 turnovers. Listen, it's nothing crazy. He's not suddenly a secondary playmaker, but when you combine it with his shooting and good defense, he suddenly looks like a very valuable free agent this summer. And this is where it gets interesting to me because Dallas has certainly built a good team around Luka, but I don't think most people are sold on this current core. But with both Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson as unrestricted free agents this summer, you already have THJ, Luka, Porzingis already signed to large contracts. Dallas has some massive decisions to make about the future of this team. And personally, I have no idea what they should do. I, I'm glad I'm not making these decisions. Obviously, if you could get Dorian Finney-Smith back on a reasonable deal, he's actually only making $4 million this year. If you can get him on a reasonable deal, you do it. But yeah. given the season he's starting to put together, you begin to wonder how high that next contract is going to get. And that's why he's my number three. Yeah, I mean, anybody could use a big wing that can play make a little bit, hit a corner three. Like, everybody's looking for those guys. And speaking of that, big wing, eh, he's, eh, he's kind of big, hit a corner three. What about number two, Andrew? 2022 free agents I suddenly care about. Lou Gens Dort. Ooh, Lou Dort. Now, you and I have talked about this at length, but I yeah. wanted to bring the question of Dort to a national audience. Lou Dort is currently on one of the best deals in the league. He's making around $1.8 million this season. That's crazy. He's built up a reputation league-wide as one of the strongest on-ball defenders and has increased his scoring to 16 points per game, albeit rather inefficiently. He's currently only hitting 31% of his threes, but he did hit 6 of 10 on Thursday night in Brooklyn, Andrew. He did. And he has improved his finishing at the rim. From Yossi Goslin at Hoops Hype, Oklahoma City has three main options with Dort. First, they could offer him an extension this March, up to four years, $55.6 million. Second, they could decline his team option for next season, sending him into restricted free agency this summer, where they could re-sign him or match any offer sheet. 
Or third, they could let this all play out and let him enter unrestricted free agency in the summer of 2023. It's a really interesting decision for a guy that I'm personally still trying to figure out. On the one hand, we've seen Dort go toe-to-toe with James Harden in a playoff game seven, scoring 30 points and providing critical defense throughout that series. On the other hand, despite his great shooting night in Brooklyn on Thursday, he still had trouble finding his outside shooting stroke. Though it is important to mention that he is shooting around 44% from the corners the last two seasons. I think most OKC fans see him as part of the long-term plan. And yet, it's very hard to nail down what he will likely make on his next contract. Mm -hmm. I know you and I would be thrilled if he signed an extension in March for four years, $55 million. Slam dunk. Slam, Slam and jam dunk. But it feels it kind of feels like Dort might be able to get more than that in free agency. So if the extension doesn't work out, do you send him to restricted free agency this summer where there might be not that many teams with cap room? Or do you let it play out until the summer of 2023? It's a very interesting question because I do think there will be suitors given that he's only 22. He's already shown something in a playoff setting his rookie season. And that is why he's my number two. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the Thunder have this where they can take the temperature of like Dort and his his people as like Thad Voucher's his agent, which is Russell Westbrook's agent. So like they've worked with him for a long time. And so I don't think there's gonna be a lot of mystery as to what they want or what's supposed to happen or they what they want to happen with Lou. So I think if even if they let this all play out, which I I still think that there's a chance they let it all play out, uh just just because I think they want to know what the next fit is going to be because they're going to add a, a big-time piece this summer through the draft or however they're going to add it. They're going to add a big piece this summer. And how does Lou fit with that group, I think, is going to be a major question. And then if you get him to restrict your free agency, what if somebody does give him a giant offer and yeah. now you're stuck with like this big price tag and then you don't really know how he fits I don't know. There's just there's just so many questions to be answered. So to me, it's extend them in March or just wait. And that brings us to the number one 2022 free agent. I'm I suddenly care about. Forgot forgot the name of the segment. <laughs> Anthony Simons. I've been a fan of Anthony Simons for a while. He had a mini breakout last season when he hit 43 percent of his threes on four and a half attempts per game. Yeah. At the time, I loved his upside as a shooter and was just waiting for him to get a bigger role, either in Portland or somewhere else. And then this season, Dame is in and out of the lineup, CJ is hurt, and all of a sudden, Simons is the man. Now, on the season, he's averaging 14-3-3 on 44-39-94 splits. But since Dame's recent absence, he's gone to a different level. In his last six games, he's averaging 28 points per game three rebounds, and seven and a half assists. Woo! That stretch included a 43-point game against Atlanta, a career high. And the important thing is he's not just a shooter. Last season, he took 70% of his shots from three. This season, only 53% of his shots are from three. He's taking more shots from everywhere else on the court and has been flashing some elite creation and playmaking skills. Did you know, Andrew, among players who have at least four pick-and-roll possessions per game, Simons is in the 91st percentile, generating 1.03 points per possession. Wow. 
That's think quite good. It's very good. I think he is very good, and he's only 22. Yeah. He's already an awesome shooter, and he seems to have a lot of untapped potential as a primary initiator based on this recent stretch. He's also a restricted free agent this summer. I could see him getting a lot of money, but Portland has the right to match, so it's likely he'll stay in Portland, right? I mean, mm-hmm. why, why is this interesting to me? Well, it's Portland where everything is interesting right now. From what I can tell, most Blazers fans want to retool around Dame. And my impression is that Blazers fans feel like the Dame-CJ pairing has run its course, but that ultimately, you know, the best backcourt pairing with Dame is probably not a small scoring guard with questionable defense like CJ. So then what do you do with Simons, who is also a small scoring guard with questionable defense? (laughs) Even if Portland moved off of CJ... Is a dame Anthony Simons pairing really that different than what was tried for the last decade in Portland? And this is where the Simons question becomes interesting to me because he's clearly talented, he has upside, likely going to receive a massive payday, but given the increased role that payday will entail, is that the best fit for the next iteration of the Blazers around Dame? I don't think it is, but what do you do? Like, do you bring him back and start him next to Dame? For Dame CJ 2.0? Are you worried about the fit? And so you trade him now if you're not willing to match a significant offer this summer. Or are you high enough on Anthony Simons after this recent run where building around him, Portland's first this year in the draft, and whatever you could get for Dame in a trade this summer suddenly seems like a more viable long-term option? All of these questions are why Anthony Simons is my number one suddenly interesting to me 2022 free agent yeah that that is quite a dilemma there are many dilemmas happening many dilemmas in portland in portland Portland, but uh just just one more yeah those are interesting guys honestly i i I think there's lots of stuff that could happen with all those guys i could see a lot of those guys changing teams so it should be it should be fun to watch uh alex i've been watching some timberwolves basketball lately and i have just started to ask myself the question, is it time to trust the Timberwolves? And trust them to do what? Trust them to be competent is, is the question that I'm, at, that I'm trying to answer here. So currently they sit at ninth in the West. They have the seventh best point differential in the Western Conference. Seems like a solid at least play-in team right now. They're 10th in defense, 21st in offense. And it's funny because if you ask yourself, what are they going to be? as far as rankings and offensive defense before the season starts, you would probably flip-flop those. Um, but the 10th the in defense, one, just like lends me to believe that, yes, they, they can be trusted to be this team. Right now, they have a positive net rating. Over the last 15 games, it's a plus 4.8. Uh, for the whole season, it's a plus 0.8. But why does that matter? Alex, how many times do you think they've had a positive net rating since 2005? Uh, I mean, it has to be one. It was probably the Jimmy Butler year? It's actually two. So the Jimmy Butler year is one, the 17-18 season. And then 13-14 with the Love, Kevin Martin, Pekovic, Rubio, Corey Brewer, Alexei Shved team. That team team sounds good. (laughs) I I like all those guys. (laughs) I know. I know. They had a positive point differential that year. But it's just been twice since 2005. That was a long time ago. And so, although a a plus 0.8 point differential or a plus 0.8 net rating probably doesn't seem that cool, 
it is a it is a great thing for the Timberwolves because it's just something that just hasn't happened to them a lot since 2005. So what's working for the Wolves? According to Cleaning the Glass, there's 124 lineups that have at least 100 possessions or more. And the Timberwolves starting lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns is the best, the very best at plus 41.7 on the season, which is just insane. The best, the best in the league. In the NBA. In the NBA. Okay. Of 124 lineups. So it's a lot. So wow. there's, I mean, and, and they have, I think it's up over 300 and something possessions. So there's a lot of, you know, teams that have just these like 100s down there that could be a little bit more fluky, but still don't reach that number. So this is working. And so I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit, like, what does it look like with Edwards off and, and D'Lo on? And like, who, like who is, who's working right now? Because I think a lot of flack has been thrown at D'Angelo Russell over the last few years. A lot of it stemming from how he played with the Golden State Warriors. Like, a lot of people just think he's not good anymore. So I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit. Because a lot of people think in order for the Timberwolves to upgrade their roster, they probably need to trade D'Angelo Russell. So... With Anthony Edwards on and D'Lo off, they're a minus 5.7. With D'Lo on and Anthony Edwards off, they're a minus 0.3. So they're just a better team overall with Edwards or with uh, D'Angelo Russell on the court. Now, you add Carl Anthony Towns to that mix. D'Lo and Cat are a plus 12.2 with Anthony Edwards off the court. And then with Anthony Edwards and Cat with D'Lo off, they're a minus 9.4. So D'Angelo Russell's had a good has had a good season, and he is really not the problem in Minnesota. And Anthony Edwards, to his credit, is not the problem either. He's had a really good season too. With all three of those guys on the court, they're a plus 17 on the season. So the question is for me, like I think that they are for real as a play-in team. Now, how do you upgrade the roster? Because the opposite of the the Memphis Grizzlies, who they played last night, actually played them really well. They were up one with two minutes left, and then they kind of wet the bed, uh, and the Grizzlies took that game. But they were neck and neck most of that game. But how do they upgrade their roster? I think it's more depth that they need. Like, they need quality depth pieces. I've talked about, like, a Ben Simmons deal. What does that look like? Is D'Angelo Russell enough for that? I think most people conclude no. So, like, what are we really doing here? I don't really think there's a trade that makes sense there. But with Cat, D'Lo, and Anthony Edwards working so much, I just think they need to add somebody like a Jeremy Grant to this team. And he's somebody that's available. I think rolling some of your younger guys and maybe an asset over to the Pistons, like a Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels for Jeremy Grant. Maybe you include a second-round pick is something I think would work and would help their depth. You add a, a good score in Jeremy Grant and a guy that can play defense, and he's your fourth best player. I know that you're not the biggest Jeremy Grant guy, Al, but what, how do you feel about the, that fit there? I am not the biggest Jeremy Grant guy as like, oh, he's a, he's a number one or like a legit number two. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, with that core in the, on the Timberwolves, all of a sudden, yes, everything Jeremy Grant does well is accentuated and and that would be an awesome fit. I just don't 
like I felt this way about the Ben Simmons trade ideas, and I kind of feel the same way with Jeremy Grant. Is that the best that Detroit could do? Because you hear some like wild rumors out there. Like, yeah. obviously, I don't think the Patrick Williams trade would happen, but yeah. obviously, if that was ever offered, that's sure. miles better than anyone else would give you. Yeah, and it hurts that Jaden McDaniels just hasn't shot it well at all this season. Yeah. You know, they're just not getting a lot off the bench. And if they are getting something off the bench, it's from some random guys. So I do think that that's a place where they need to upgrade, and perhaps it'll happen in the offseason. Maybe they sign somebody. But, you know, credit to the Timberwolves. I think they've, they've become a solid team. Their starting lineup is working. If they could add some depth pieces, I think that they could be a team that, like, vies for even the sixth seed in the Western Conference at some point. So shout-out to the Timberwolves. Shout-out to a team that will likely be in the play-in. Yeah, when you look at the standings, like they had the Clippers ahead of them, who, you know, the reports this week are that they're going to prepare for not having Paul George all season. So yep. it seems like they could move ahead of them. Right above them is the Lakers. We know what's been going on with the Lakers. Oh boy. That game against the Kings was a classic. Yep. And then above them is the Nuggets, who just blew like an insane lead oh to gosh. those Clippers yeah. a few nights ago and lost by two. And then Will Barton had a really scary injury on mm-hmm. Thursday night where it appears that he was concussed. So, yeah, there, it looks like there is room for, like, upward movement for Minnesota. I mean, I don't know if they could get as high as five, but, like, six seems like something you could hope for. Like, they're only two games back. Yeah, it doesn't seem impossible. It doesn't seem impossible. There. And they've they've played well. So, big shouts to them. Uh, another team that's good and that plays well is the Milwaukee Bucks, and we're going to talk about them right after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, the segment where each week we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team. This week, actually for the last two weeks, we have been fans of the defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are currently 27-17, and 7th in offense, 8th in defense. In the last two weeks, the Bucks are 3-4, and four, which included a weird loss to 9-win Detroit, despite Giannis, Middleton, and Drew all playing, but... Don't worry, because it wasn't all bad. The stretch also included signature wins over Brooklyn and Golden State. Andrew, if our favorite team this week is the Milwaukee Bucks, who is our guest? It's my guy, way taller in person than you think he is, Eric Name. <laughs> Eric, what's up? Uh, so I don't project a tall-ish vibe uh, through my voice <laughs> and my general tweeting and actions. <laughs> I I don't know what it was, but the, when I, the first time I met you in Vegas, I was just... Uh, astonished at how tall you were. I don't know. Astonished. 
I was. He's he's huge. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. That's I. I yeah. actually, I don't know if I appreciate it. I don't know either. I don't. I don't know if you should. I don't yeah, know if you should really appreciate tough. that. Uh, I don't know if this is good or bad, but uh, that's something interesting about me, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Bucks have had talking about strange. The Bucks have had some strange losses recently, uh, but they stepped it up against the top teams. Uh, in just the last two weeks, the Bucks have had convincing wins over the Nets and the Warriors. Kyrie missed the Brooklyn game, and Draymond missed the Warriors game. Drew Holiday was out for both. But given that key guys were missing on all sides in these two marquee matchups, what can we take away from these wins for the Bucs? And do you think that these were statement wins? Ooh, um, I don't believe they're – I don't think they think they are statement wins. Um, You know, I I think, like, around the league, people might not be sure if the Bucs are still the Bucs and if they're good or – you know, if that was a fraud championship or whatever dumb thing you're going to say about a team that won a title last year, somehow not being real. Um, it, I, I don't know what people say about them, but I think for people outside of the organization, maybe they were like, maybe it was impressive to see them go into Brooklyn and just beat the brakes off the nets. And maybe it was impressive last night to see them, uh, you know, just dominate a Warriors team and, and double them up at halftime. Like, that's ridiculous. It was 77 to 38 at half. It, they, they dominated the Warriors. Yep. And, and again, that's all without Drew Holiday. So I, I don't think for them, they believe those are statement wins. But honestly, there's like one thing I would circle. Um, last year against the Nets, Bobby Portis did not play in the final three games of that series. Uh, they decided, you know what? Bobby is not going to work defensively. This, he can't play. Against the Nets, he has a 20-point first half. He gets a couple steals and forces a couple turnovers against James Harden in the pick and roll. And then again last night, he has, I think, 15 at half, maybe 17 at half. Uh, And he did the same thing in the pick and roll. He's able to, you know, get in Steph Curry's way. He's able to find a way defensively to stay on the floor. And I I think if you're, like, looking at, like, statements or, like, what it means – you know, the future of Brooke Lopez is up in the air. He had back surgery. No one knows when he'll be back or if he'll be back or how he will look when he gets back. So they do need to have some sort of insurance, right? They do need to have someone that can go out there on the floor and play. And for him to have, I think, two really nice games against two really good teams, I think just kind of helps speak to their depth and, you know, helps you have more confidence in this team. Even if Brooke Lopez doesn't come back totally whole. Okay. Well you can play Bobby Portis for 25 minutes. Giannis will play the other 23 minutes at center and they'll be totally fine and ready to roll. Uh, let, let me ask you about Brooke Lopez. Um, because like you mentioned, he had the back surgery. He's out indefinitely. Do you, is there any like internal confidence from the team that he's going to be back by the playoffs and how important do you think it is for them to acquire another big either through trade or buyout? Um, I'll, uh, okay. So a couple questions there, I guess with Brooke, uh, the organization's incredibly optimistic. Um, okay. So much so that I'm like, do you guys understand that he's seven feet tall in 290 pounds (laughs) Right. (laughs) and 33 years old? Like the, the history of back injuries for big dudes at a later portion of their career is just not good. Like there's, no matter how much medicine has advanced and, you know, no matter how much faith you have in 
your training staff, which they have high levels in both of those things. This is still a really big dude getting back surgery late in his career. That's scary. It, it just is. So, uh, you know, the surgery happened shortly after, you know, we all, I think throughout the media kind of heard a lot of optimism from the organization. Like, yeah, we think he's gonna be back before the, the postseason. We think he's gonna be back with enough time to make sure that he's ready to go. Like we are very confident. Um, so like I said, I, and maybe this is just like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cloudy day kind of guy. Uh, I'm a pessimist in nature. Like that's just who I am. Uh, I think it's like a little bit crazy to be that optimistic. And then to answer your other question, I think trading for another big would be preposterous. Like I just don't see the need for it in the Eastern conference. Um, You know, like maybe you go up against the Sixers, but I think you're going to feel confident that Bobby Portis can, you know, be strong enough to go up against Embiid. No one's going to like stop Embiid. That's just like not how it works against great players, but you're confident Bobby Portis is big enough. And then you're confident that Giannis can go for 20 minutes against him as well. And in those 20 minutes, I think you have a lot of confidence that Giannis is going to run Joel Embiid off the floor. Like that's just like, if, okay, I got to cover you. Well, you got to cover me on the other end and you don't like getting back in transition and I'm the fastest dude in the league. So what, what are we going to do here? We're going to go bucket for bucket. Cause we can do that. Uh, so I, I don't think they need to get another big. I think it's a lot more important for them because their avenue to get a big is trading away one of their wings and they have a lot of depth on the wing. And I don't think you give that up because I think you want as many different options as possible when you need to play small ball against the Nets. Like, I just think the Nets are a bigger priority. And if you give up some of your depth to help out against a big that probably isn't out there in the postseason, I just think you're you're weakening your your depth and even your top end talent against the team that's your true threat the Brooklyn Nets, as opposed to anyone else in the East. And, and you wrote a story about when they waived DeMarcus Cousins and talking about some of the thinking behind that and then what they might do with that roster spot going forward. So if they weren't going to use it for big, are there other things they might be looking for, either in the buyout market or in a trade, like a small trade? Yeah, I think the going into the season, they were really excited about Shemi Ojale. Like Throughout the, the organization, people... We're like, hey, you know, the Celtics didn't use him right. Uh, you know, we can kind of figure out what to do here. If you look at how big he is, he's bigger than P.J. Tucker. You know, we can kind of do that. They were wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Shemi Ojale is, is just not had a good season. He's been kind of snake bitten by injuries and COVID and, and all of that. But he just hasn't performed. He, he just hasn't made shots and he hasn't been good enough. And I think if if you're trying to figure out what the Bucks want to do with one more roster spot, I think a lot of their wing depth is a little bit on the shorter end. I don't think they have like a big wing. And again, we're going to talk about the Nets. They don't have the big wing that's going to take the body blows from Kevin Durant for 48 minutes because mm-hmm. Steve Nash is going to play KD every minute of every game that he right. needs in that series and you just need bodies to throw at it because, you know, like Chris Middleton closed out game seven covering KD in overtime and he did a hell of a job. KD was over six in overtime in that game of, of game seven. But part of why KD might not have been as effective was because he dealt with PJ Tucker 
in his jaw the entire the entire series. And, and I think the Bucks just need someone like that, and, and they don't have it on the roster right now. Pat Connaughton has been a revelation this year. He's been fantastic, but he's six foot five. He's he's not made to cover a seven footer like Kevin Durant. And you know. Dante DiVincenzo is coming back from injury. They're very confident in him. Grayson Allen has been very good for them. George Hill has been good for them. Wesley Matthews has been good for them. But again, the tallest one you're getting out of any of them is about six foot five. And that's, yeah. that's just not big enough to, again, you don't stop KD. KD is going to put up 40. That That's just something you have to deal with, but you have to make sure it's not as a, as efficient as it could be. And, all of those wing guys, I, I just don't think are big enough. So, so to me, that's the big thing that they circle. And it's going to be really interesting to see if, if one of those guys materializes, right? Because, you know, you look at a guy like Thaddeus Young, who's just not getting to play in San Antonio. Um, you know, Bud and Pop have a good relationship. You know, may, maybe uh, the, there's a little, you know, greasing of the wheels to say, hey, maybe you guys could just, you know, buy out Thad Young and, you know, let them come our way that 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 could work. Um, I mean, I'm really curious to see what the Blazers do with Damian Lillard being out for an extended period of time. I know, yeah. you know, I saw Sean Hyken write uh, earlier this week, like maybe they just sit him down for the entire season and just say, you know what? This is like a gap year for Dame Lillard. Let's see what happens. Maybe that means Covington's available for a first. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's multiple for, I, I don't know what the package would be, but like, that's the kind of guy uh, that you're talking about for kind of what the bucks might need. If, if you're looking at potential weaknesses in, in a roster that I feel is very deep, uh, that might be the one. hole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis is having just an incredible season. He's playing at an MVP level. Again, he's putting up similar stats to the last couple seasons he absolutely destroyed the Warriors on Thursday with a 30-point triple-double in only 30 minutes. Are there any new wrinkles to his game this year that NBA fans might not have noticed if they're not watching the Bucks every night? Uh, so Giannis will will always want to remind people of this. Um, if if you remember the, the one-on-one I had with him after the parade, uh, yeah. he tried to remind people that MFers don't think I can pass. Um, <laughs> the other night uh, at, during the Nets game, he had a look away, whipped skip pass to Bobby Portis in the corner that like he no looked. I mean, it was gorgeous. And after the game, I like joked with him. I was like, man, kind of looking like Jokic right now. And he was like, Eric, you've been around me more than anyone. He's like, you know, I can make that pass. It's disrespectful. Like, I, I don't need to be compared to Jokic. Like, I'm my own guy. And I was, and obviously I was messing with him. Like, he is a very good passer. But, like, I think that's one of the big things that, like, if you haven't watched the Bucks for uh, – or, or maybe you just, like, know they won 60 games in Bud's first year and you think you understand how they did it, you're like, eh, you know, he, they spread the floor out. He dunks on people. And, and that's just kind of how it is. I, I just think this year, and, you know, we talked about it earlier this year in, in a story I did at the athletic, um, you know, one of the things that they've tried to get him to do is the idea is like, slow down and take a picture. And, and what that means is as he gets the ball, how do you still attack and still go downhill? But at the same time, take a breath and actually see the floor and set things up. So before you're going to do your spin move, which he's fantastic at, 
see where, where people are on the floor. So if you spin, you know the double team's coming. You you can kind of manipulate people. I thought in, in the game against the Warriors, he had this gorgeous assist where, you know, throughout the season, Bobby Portis has been one of the best trail bigs in the entire league, where if you give Bobby, like if your big is at the rim trying to stop Giannis, he's going to set it up for a dribble handoff for Bobby Portis. He does it perfectly against the Warriors. The Warriors read it though, and he does too. And he just throws a no look to Grayson Allen on the right wing for a three. And it's just like the, the <laughs> way that he manipulates defenders. Now there's just like, there's a complexity to his playmaking that, you know, year one, you know, one of the first stories I wrote while I was at the athletic was, Hey, bud, put these boxes on the, on the practice court. There there's these boxes on the floor. That's where these five boxes around the three point line are where people need to be. At the start of it, Giannis was throwing blind to those spots. He, he admitted as much. He's like, I know if I throw it over my head and I throw it near the corner, someone's going to be there. And now it's to a spot where guys are moving up and down the wings. The boxes don't mean as much anymore. He's actually seeing the floor. He's actually manipulating defenders. And he's actually understanding that's where the open space is. That's where I, my guy is going to cut to. And that's where I'm going to throw the ball. It, it, it's really been mm-hmm. fun to kind of, it, there's just a, a level of, complexity that that I just don't think was there in previous years. So if you do get the chance to like actually watch him and see the game, like you're going to see him, I think, understand the game at a much higher level. That's that's awesome. That's great insight. On the flip side, I want to ask you what you thought about Chris Middleton season because his efficiency is down, his turnovers are up, though he did have a great game against the Warriors. Do you attribute this just to the fluctuating lineups, the weirdness of this season, or are there actual reasons for more concern? Yeah, Chris is always a tough one because I would say throughout just about every season, he typically goes through like a month-long slump. Um, it used to be a little bit easier to predict when it's going to happen, but the schedule like fluctuates so much now that you can't. I mean, one year we're playing in these months and another year we're playing. Another, so the schedule's messed up, but typically he does have like a month where he kind of slumps and it gets a little bit weird. And, and I think what you're looking at with Chris is there might've been one of those months. I think he's kind of out of it now, uh, but we've seen him need to play point guard a lot. That's this is what we saw in Charlotte, right? I think he had back-to-back games where 13 turnovers combined. If I remember correctly, one was six, one was seven. And essentially he, him and Giannis were playing point guard the whole way. And, and both of them really like handling the ball. They always tell bud, they want to bring the ball up and they always want to be point guard in in those two games, they realized this sucks. I don't like doing this. Like, I don't want to get us into our sets. Like, I like it when I bring the ball up off of a miss. That's fun. Like, the defense is discombobulated, but I don't like being the point guard. I don't want to get us into our sets. I don't want to have to take care of the basketball. I just want to get to my spots and play basketball. So uh, I think you've seen more of that uh, as Drew Holiday has been out. Drew Holiday was out at the start of the year with this left ankle issue. Now he's he's missed a couple games. I'm thinking he's going to miss a couple more. Um, so you've seen Chris have to be the point guard and that's just like not something that he wants to do full time so I think that's why the turnovers are up and then I think the other thing that you're seeing is that the Bucks have kind of decided uh, this year when Giannis is off the floor they're giving the keys to Drew Holiday and that's not something that they did last year 
And, and I think this is why you see Drew Holiday's numbers are better, right? Like if, if we're thinking about who the second all-star for the Bucs is going to be, it's going to be Drew Holiday this year. If they get a second all-star, I'm not saying that they will, but if they get a second mm-hmm. all-star, it's going to be Drew Holiday. And the reason why Drew Holiday's numbers are better is because last year and, and really for the entirety of the time, Bud has been here. If Giannis is off the floor, it is Chris Middleton's show. We're going to get Chris Middleton, the basketball in the places that he likes in the spots that he wants it. And we're going to let him operate the offense. And the Bucs were wildly efficient for years doing that. What they found out last year, I think, in the playoffs was that they hadn't fully integrated Drew Holiday. And, and if you recall that Nets series, I mean, Drew Holiday's three for 14, I think, before he hits a couple massive shots at the end of game seven against the Nets. He had a couple really stinky shooting games in that series. And it was just because he wasn't fully comfortable. He wasn't fully integrated. They didn't understand it. And this year they've really gone out of their way to give Drew the ball and let him do his thing. And Drew Holiday's thing is weird. He's a weird basketball player, man. Like Bobby Portis was talking about it the other day. Uh, he was like, yeah, me and Drew or me and George Hill were talking on the bench and George, George said like, you know, Drew's like a, a four man. Like he, he wants to get the ball and like the left block he wants to like hit you in the chest like three times and then he's going to like pivot off you and he's going to hit you with like a lefty hook, a righty hook and up and under. Like he's like, it's weird to watch because he's a point guard. Uh, and I think that's like the best summation I've heard of what Drew Holiday. It's really weird. And the Bucks will just let him do that. They'll just let him take it yeah. on the left block. Do your thing, man. We'll we'll cut off of it. We've played with Giannis. We played with Chris. We know how this works but that's not how point guards normally work. So like those moments and those opportunities weren't there for Drew Holiday last year. They're there for him this year, but to give him those opportunities, you had to give Chris Middleton less opportunities or worse opportunities. Hmm. Uh, so, so I think that's kind of like the inverse relationship you're seeing. It's, it's why Drew Holiday has risen to the level where, I mean, he absolutely should make his first all-star game. And I think 11 seasons, man, it's been a while because it was in Philly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He should make an all-star game this year. I don't know if he will, but the reason he is is because they've made Chris be a little bit more uncomfortable. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. 
When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Well, Eric, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly game show where Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer. This week, of course, it's Eric Name, beat writer for the Milwaukee Bucks. Eric, did you know you are defending your title because last time, last March, you beat Andrew 6-3. to three. So, how, how this works, uh, there are eight questions all about the Bucks. And uh, if you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew have a chance to steal for t- for one point. Uh, so I just need a number between one and eight from you, Eric. Seven. Question number seven. There are 21 two-man lineups for the Bucks that have played at least 300 minutes together. The top four two-man lineups in terms of net rating all feature this player. Who is that player? So four... The four top two-man lineups. All, all feature this player. one player from the Bucks. Uh, I'm not going to overthink. I'm just going to say Giannis. Giannis is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Mm. Oh, boy. I, <laughs> I have no idea who this is. I, I have an um, idea once Andrew goes. Um, once Andrew gets it wrong. Pat Connaughton. Great guess. Wrong. Eric, any mm. other guesses? As uh, a George Hill. It is George Hill. Would you believe? Oh, wow. All right, Andrew, your turn. Wow. Number one. Question number one. Who leads the Bucks in minutes played this season? Pretty easy question, Andrew. You watch the Bucks. You've been tallying up the minutes. Is is this Pat Connaughton? This is Pat Connaughton for two points. <laughs> nice job, Andrew. Okay, back to Eric. I'll stop guessing that name now after <laughs> I've gotten, gotten it right. Uh, let's go with three. Question number three. Giannis Antetokounmpo is currently averaging a career-high 10.5 free throw attempts per game. There are only six other players currently on an NBA roster who have averaged at least 10 free throw attempts per game in a season, and we are going to try to name them all. So how this works, Eric, you will give me a name of someone currently on an NBA roster who at some point in their career averaged 10 free throw attempts per game. Then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth. Until you guys get them all. I have a feeling you guys are going to get all of these. Wow, you're a lot more hopeful uh, than I am. I was trying to give you some encouragement. Yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate it. It's very nice of you. Um, let's go with James Harden. James Harden, he absolutely has done it. Over to Andrew. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant did it once. Ooh, close one, Andrew. Back to Eric. Let's go with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Has not done it. And that means Andrew steals the one point. The other names, Joel Embiid, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, and LeBron James. I originally went back two decades, and uh, the craziest name was Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin had a 10 free throw (laughs) attempt per game season with the Kings. I bet Coach Thorpe was going wild during that season. (laughs) All right, Andrew, uh, it's your turn. You're up 3 nothing. Number two. Number two. There are 10 current Bucks players who have taken more than 50 threes this season. 10 current Bucks players. Only three of them are shooting less than 37% from three. Isn't that pretty impressive? 
Wow. Name them all, and I'm going to give you one point per correct answer. So these are guys on the Bucks who have taken at least 53s a season but are shooting less than 37%. I have to name all three of them? Well, you get yes, but you get one point per correct answer. So you know, oh, okay. So you can just start rattling them off. Um, Giannis? Giannis is one for one point. There's two more. Oh, boy. Got to think of some Bucks. I think George Hill has not shot the ball well, George Hill. That is correct, Andrew. Can you get all three and take a commanding six to zero lead? Oh, I don't know what Jordan Norris shooting. I'll say him. Uh, no, he's shooting great, Andrew. Okay, no. over to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many? What's the number? Fifty. Uh, at least fifty threes under thirty seven percent. I don't know if he has enough. Um, uh, Rodney Hood. Oh, and he's on the board. Eric with one point. And <sighs> Eric, it is your turn. You could start uh, catching up here. Wow. Uh, let's go with five. Question number five. George Hill has played for eight NBA franchises. With which franchise did George Hill have his highest scoring average? Averaging 16.9 points per game. Hmm. Let's go with the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Oh, man. Can you think of another team that George Hill has been on? He's been on eight of them. We've narrowed it down to seven. I know he famously hated his time in this city, but I'll just say Sacramento anyway. Sacramento, what a guess, Andrew. That's incorrect, though. It was the mm. Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. They only mm. played there one season. Okay, back to Andrew. Number four. Question number four. Drew Holiday made the All-Star game in the 2012-2013 season, which took place in Houston, Texas. Which current NBA player was the MVP of that all-star game. <laughs> oh my gosh, Al. <laughs> I've I've narrowed it down for you. Current NBA player. And was it Westbrook? Russell Westbrook, Andrew, that's amazing, but it's wrong. Eric, you have a chance to steal. <laughs> Can you remember who the MVP was of the 2012-2013 All-Star game? Uh LeBron James. A great guess, a sensible guess, but it's wrong. It was Chris Paul, CP3. Oh, weird. Yeah, a little weird. Probably could have given oh. you a little bit more of a hint there. Uh, okay, back to Eric. We have two questions left, number six or number eight. Uh, let's go with eight. Number eight. How many players on the current Bucks roster were part of an NCAA championship team while in college? So you don't have to tell me who the players are. You just have to give me a number. Okay. NCAA championship team while in college. <sighs> all right. I can. Oh, all right. So Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, two. Two players. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Oh, I have no idea. Three. Yeah, that is kind of easy when you're the second person to this question. It was three, and the tricky one, Grayson Allen, Dante DiVincenzo, absolutely correct. 
Do you remember that Shemi Ojale played for Duke in a year that they won, and then he transferred, I think, to SMU? Yeah, he's. I forgot that he played for Duke. I remember SMU. I, I do remember it. I'm going to challenge it. Um, can I? No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, you get first dibs on the last question, and you have you are tying up this battle with Eric Neem. You're going to be one one after this week, Andrew. Yes. What is Giannis's career high for three pointers made in a single game? So the number of three pointers he hit in a single game. What's the most amount he's ever hit in his NBA career? Seven. Seven. Wrong, Eric. You have a chance to steal and get this four points closer. Uh, five? That is correct, and Eric finishes with a win. Unfortunately, he lost six to two. However, that ties it up. So now yes. Andrew versus Eric is tied 1-1. Stay tuned for the rubber match in about a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Be sure to go read all of Eric's stuff on The Athletic. Uh, if you just want to know more about the Bucks, Eric can help you do that. He's one of the closest people covering the Bucks. Um, just always really good insight. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you to Eric Name, but it is now time to choose a new favorite team, Andrew, with the Wheel of Fandom. We've still got a ton of teams, obviously. This is only week three of version two of the Wheel, so a lot of teams out there to choose. Should be 28 of them. So we're going to spin the wheel and see who we get. Right. Spinning the wheel, next, next week's Wheel of Fandom team is the Brooklyn... Okay. Kyrie's back. Oh, Kyrie's back. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, The team is putting a a really good product on the floor. Kind of. Except for last night. We. I mean, after last night's performance, that was that was one of the worst performances I've seen them in the play against the Thunder. Some of the worst defense I've ever seen. (laughs) Terrible. So, hopefully, we get to see some better basketball from the Brooklyn Nets this week. Uh, Cannot wait. To watch the Nets. They're just, they are endlessly fascinating for so many reasons. So, should be a fun show next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Saturday Slam and Jam. If you will leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the podcast. So, do that uh, if you have enjoyed our show. We would very much appreciate that. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend and the basketball. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 